Welcome to the Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast, where today we will be listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Brent Russell. If you have your Bibles, smartphones, tablets, and you want to follow along, we are going to be looking at Philippians, and uh, it's a new year, and so I thought I'd start a new series, a walk through Philippians, and I'm looking forward to, to walking through this book with you. Uh, we're going to spend the next... Uh, two and a half months or so walking through uh, this New Testament book. I chose this book for a couple of reasons. Number one, Philippians is really encouraging, and we could use some encouragement at this time. Number two, Philippians is a great book to help us walk well into the life that Christ has given us, and so I want you to, to encourage you to live out the fullness of the grace that has been given to you. Now, one of the challenges of preaching through a book is that I could spend two or three years rather than two or three months on this book. When it comes to just the passage that we read, I, I saw about six, six uh, sermons that I would have liked to preach from this passage. It talks about you being saints. I'd love to talk about how God has made you his holy people. He calls you saints. It talks about pastoral heart of Paul, is, is God's grace towards you. There, there are so many different things that I could have preached from, but I have to pick and choose. And so as we walk through the book of Philippians, although we're, we'll take it uh, step by step, if I miss some of the verses that, that you love, please forgive me on that. If you, if you want to get the most out of the series, here's what I would suggest to you. That you read through the book of Philippians. It's only four chapters, and they're not that long. You read through the book of Philippians five, six, seven times. I'd encourage you to either do it maybe this week, once every day, or maybe once a week for the next uh, six or seven weeks. Just read it through so you become more familiar with it. Here's the thing. The more you put into something, the more you will get out of it. The more you put into understanding the book of Philippians, the more God will have to speak to you about what he is saying in this book. Now, before we get down to our text today, let me, let me give you some background. Um, book of Philippians was written to the church in Philippi. Philippi was a city of about 15,000 people or so. Probably about 40% of the population were, were Roman citizens. The other 60% were slaves or... Uh, um, Farmer, peasant farmers, or service providers. The primary religion of, of the city was um, uh, worshiping uh, uh, the Roman gods, uh, but also the, the worship of Caesar was on their rise. So people saying Caesar is, is Lord. And that will come uh, into play as we go through this book a little. Now, about 10 years before this book was written, Paul had visited Philippi with Silas. You may remember the story. It's found in Acts chapter 16. It was the Sabbath day. Paul and Silas went to look for a quiet place to pray. So they thought, well, let's go down by the river and we'll find a place there. On the way to, to prayer, they ran into a woman by the name of Lydia. She was a, a businesswoman. And uh, Paul and Silas had a conversation with her and found that Lydia's heart was open to the gospel. And she and her full, whole family gave, her heart, gave their hearts to the Lord. And that was the start of the Philippian church. 
Now, Lydia insisted that Paul and Silas come back to, to her place, and, and they did, and they made Lydia's house the home, uh, the mission base uh, uh, for their mission to the, the city of Philippi. So day after day, they would leave the house and then pray, and then they would go into the market and they would speak to people about Jesus. One day while they were going to the market, um, a girl who was a slave started to follow them. Now this, this girl, she was demon-possessed, but because of this possession, she was an, a remarkably accurate fortune teller. And uh, uh, because she was a slave, um, all the money she made from this endeavor, and it was a substantial amount, went to her owners. And the slave girl started to follow Paul and Silas and shouted at them, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. This not only happened once, it went on day after day after day. These men are the servants of the Most High God, and they are telling you the way to be saved. Now, I don't know whether it was the fact that, um, that they were being followed by a crazy woman, or the demons were speaking the truth, or that they were uh, being yelled at all the time, but this girl really troubled Paul. So one day he'd had enough. He turned around uh, to the girl and uh, he spoke uh, to the demons and said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to leave. And the demons left her and she was delivered. It doesn't tell us, but that slave girl might have become the, the second member of the Philippi church. Problem was that the, the slave girl's owners were none too happy. They were making big money off the fortune-telling business, and, and now the source of income had dried up. No demon, no fortune-telling, no fortune. So they decided to stir up the crowd against Paul and Silas. They uh, lied, and their lies caused a riot, and, and the town officials responded. But they had a, a policy, whip people first, ask questions later. So Paul and Silas were beaten and thrown into prison. Paul and Silas, instead of feeling sorry for themselves, started to worship God. They started to give praise to God. And they would sing hymns and they would pray. And in the middle of this impromptu worship service, there was this big earthquake. The, the prison doors swung open and everyone's chains fell loose. The jailer woke up and he saw that the prison was open. He knew that the magistrates of the, of the city would kill him anyways. And so he thought he would beat them to the punch and was just about to commit suicide when Paul stopped him, said, don't kill yourself, we're all here. And in this incredible moment, the fact that they could have escaped and didn't, the fact that Paul and Silas had chose to save his life rather than take their freedom, really got to this jailer. He said, what must I do to be saved? Well, Paul told him to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Told him about faith in Jesus. So that night, the jailer and his household came to, to know Jesus. Paul and Silas had to leave town then, but the church had been started by a businesswoman, a slave, and a jailer. And maybe a few others who responded to the gospel of Jesus while Paul was preaching. Well, ten years have now passed. 
Paul is sitting in another prison, a Roman prison this time, and during this prison time, he writes this letter. He gives the standard introduction. This is Paul who's writing. This is who I'm writing to. He gives a, um, and then he tells them a greeting, and then this is what he says. Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. He says to the Philippians, I, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Can you just hear the affection of Paul for the people of Philippi? He loves these people. He, he's seen the gospel take root in these people. He has seen them grow and mature. Things are not perfect, of course, and he'll deal with some issues later on, but yeah, it's really good. He has a fond memory of them. So Paul, Paul says in, in verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul says, I'm confident. The, the Greek word has this underlying idea of certainty. I'm confident, I'm certain, that he who began a good work in you, that is God the Father who called each person by name and, and drew, him to, uh, to, drew them to himself. That is God the Son who paid the price for our sin and died on the cross and gave us his righteousness. That is the Holy Spirit who has applied the work of the Father and the Son to our lives and, and we're able to and lives in us and so we're able to walk in fellowship with God. Paul is saying, I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That's the day that either Jesus Christ comes back and calls us all home, or the day that you die and that you face him face to face. He looks at you and says, yeah, you know my son Jesus? I know you because of that. You'll notice where Paul's confidence lies. Paul loves the people of Philippi. Paul is so thankful for the work that God has done in their lives. But Paul's confidence is not in them. Paul's confidence is in God. God is going to do the work. And it's going to be an ongoing work. He will bring it to completion, but it's an ongoing thing until Christ comes. This is not just a promise for the Philippi people. This is a promise for you. You can be certain that God, being who he is, is going to continue to work in you until he either comes back or you see him face to face after you die. God is going to complete his work in your life. Now, you of course can thwart the work of God. You can hold up a stop sign and say, God, I know you've been working in me, but don't like where this is going. I'm quite satisfied with my, my life. I'm, I, I'm willing to, to worship you, and I'll, I'll pray, and I'll talk to you, and we'll have this relationship, but I'm not sure I want to grow deeper in you. Notice that a, a lot of Christians tend to get to a certain point in their life, and they kind of hold a stop sign out to God. 
They say, this far and no further, and they plateau. And some have been plateaued for so long that they wonder if God still wants to work. That's why Paul's confidence is in God, not the Philippian people. Here's what I want you to know. God is faithful. And God is still working, and he wants to work it out in your lives so, so that you're growing in the gospel. Seniors, some of you have been walking with God for 50, 60, 70 years. God has a work that he still wants to do in you. God has a work that he wants to continue on. You may even be a shut-in, not able to get out to see much. But God has a work to do in you and through you. I want to encourage you, encourage you let him. Those of you who are younger teenagers, you are retired, but you're still active, and the world will tell you that this is the time to do what you want. But God's words declares that God has a work to do in you and also through you. God is at work in you, and he'll carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Some of you are really active in your grandkids and your kids' lives. God has a work for you to do. Don't put God on hold. You people who are in mid-career, later career, God wants to carry on his work in you. You've established a routine, and this is a time when life is really busy, especially if you have kids. Life is really busy. You may... Um, you may feel sandwiched between your parents and your kids. And I know that it's easy just to give God token worship. And I know what God's heart is, though, to carry his work on to completion. He's going to do it. He's at work in you, but the question is, will you cooperate with him? Young marriage, young adults, many ways you're trying to get your career off the ground. God started a good work in you. He plans to carry it on. Abide in him. Grow in him. High school students, you who have begun with God, God has a plan for your life, and he's going to work it out. I want to encourage you. Keep on keeping on. God is at work in you. Cooperate with him. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This is true to, despite your obstacles you face. This is true despite the stress you're under. This is true no matter your track record, no matter your abilities. God's plan is to finish what he started. Please hear me. Those of you who are struggling with wholeness in your life, and you know the dysfunctions that are going on. What God started, God will finish. Those of you who are struggling with a holy life and, and being consistent, and what God started, God will finish. Those of you who are struggling with character flaws, what God started, God will finish. Our confidence isn't in ourselves. 
is not in the power of our New Year's resolutions and our ability to keep them. Our confidence is in God, who is at work in us. Now, one of the ways that we can partner with God is that we start to pray into our lives. Pray for ourselves, pray for others. Paul's prayer for the believers in Philippi is an awesome one to pray for ourselves. Verse 9, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depths of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ to the glory and praise of God. If you want to know how to pray for yourself, write this prayer down someplace where you can access it quickly. If you want to know how to pray for others who are believers, this is a great prayer. You'll notice that Paul only prays for one thing in this prayer. He's only praying for one thing, and everything else comes out of that. He prays that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Everything after that is a result of your love abounding more and more in knowledge and depths of insight. So it might be worth reflecting on what that means. It's obvious that the love that he's talking about is a love for God. But we know from other places in Scripture that if we love God, we're going to love our brothers and sisters. It is Paul's expectation that your love can abound more and more. It can continue to grow. It can continue to expand. And I believe these words were inspired by God, which means it's not only possible for the Philippi church, it's possible for you. And it's expected of you. For your love to abound more and more. What this means is that you should love God more now, 2022, than you did January 1st, 2021. Is that true? What it's saying is that when we get to the end of 2022, our love for God should be deeper than it is right now. He's saying that your love may abound more and more. He says that how it should abound in knowledge and depth of insight. Now, as we read this in 2022, it's really easy to misinterpret what Paul is saying. Remember, this was written to Christians at a time when there were no Christian books, no Christian podcasts, no Christian YouTube videos. There were no seminaries, and there was no systematic theology books that could tell you, here's the attributes of God. God is holy, strong, good, wise a person. Only about half of the New Testament had been written at this time. Not only that, this was a Roman city, and if we read Acts 16 closely, there probably weren't even enough Jews to start a synagogue in the city of Philippi, and therefore there probably wouldn't, wouldn't have been any copies of the Torah. 
So when, when he says, let your love abound more and more in knowledge and depths of insight, he's not saying, well, you know, this year what you should do is read the top ten Christian books. He's not saying, you know, you, you should really uh, listen to this podcast or that podcast. And all those things are good and right, and, and there are advantages that we have now. But that's not what he's talking about. So how do you gain knowledge and depth of insight? If you only have a few books from the New Testament, you don't have the Old Testament. Um, well, here's what they did have. They had the story of the gospel of Jesus. They've been told about the life of Jesus. They've been told the stories of Jesus. They also had some spiritually mature people in their midst. It's 10 years after the church has been founded, and, and Paul addresses this book to overseers and deacons. But more than anything else, they have the Holy Spirit living in them, dwelling in them, of whom Jesus said, he will lead you into all truth. The primary way that Paul expects their love to abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight is by spending time listening to the Holy Spirit. Well, how does that work? Well, it's easier to understand if you understand that the word knowledge in Greek covers not only intellectual understanding, but it covers personal experience. Even, it even uh, connects with your emotions. And it even talks, uh, it, it's about personal relationships as well. So when you take all the aspects of your life, that's the knowledge that he's talking about. May your, um, uh, my prayer is that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So the knowledge applies to all of your life and how God relates to all of your life. So, as you lived your day yesterday, if you want knowledge and depth of insight of who God is, then what you do is, Lord, yeah, yesterday was a day, wasn't it? Here's what I did. Lord, I want to bring all of my day to you. The times when I was working, and playing, and reading, playing on the internet, watching TV. God, is there anything that you would want to say to me about my day? What happened? And Lord, today, here, here's my plans for today. I'm planning to do this, planning to do that. Lord, is there anything you want to say to me about, you want to show me about who you are, or who I am, or what's going on in my emotions, or what's going on in my relationships, or can you tell me about where you were in the middle of that experience that I had? If you start holding your life before God, what's going to happen is you're going to start to see where God was and where he's calling you to. And as that happens, and as you see God and his loving grace towards you and sees... He sees you exactly where you are, but, but he accepts you there and he's calling you to move forward. Your love for him is going to go deeper 
and deeper. It's going to abound more and more. And you're going to have this knowledge and depth of insight. And he goes on to say, verse 10, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for, for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So that you may be able to discern what's best. Oh, wouldn't that be good? You've heard the good is the enemy of the best, and it often is. There's so many good things that we can do. Wouldn't it be great if God showed us the best things? He says that's, that's, that's exactly what's going, to be, what's going to happen as your love abounds more and more in knowledge of death and insight. You're going to say, God, man, that was good. But then he may show you, oh, but this would be better. This would be best. And as he does that, some things will happen in your life as you start to move on with him. Paul goes on to say that you will be pure and blameless when you meet Jesus. That does not mean that you will be perfect, but you will be walking in such a way where you are staying away from the things that you know are wrong, and you're doing the things that you know are right, and when you blow it, you're, you're confessing your sins to God, and you're trusting Him, and it's all about Jesus' righteousness, not your righteousness. And that comes from abounding more and more. And so whether you, Jesus comes back and and you are taken to meet him in the air, or whether you die and meet him face to face, you're going to be pure and blameless. It goes on to say, filled with the, the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ. Abounding in love, more and more knowledge and depth of insight is going to produce the fruit of righteousness. It's, um, righteousness is, comes through Christ, Christ forgives your sin, and he makes you righteous. He gives you his righteous. Through Christ, you bear the fruit of righteousness. And if the fruit of righteousness is a life changed to be like Christ. It's a life where we reflect Christ and do what he says. It's a life filled with the fruit that the Holy Spirit gives. It's a life, as Paul says at the end of this verse, results in, God's, in the worship of God, and it glorifies God. What a prayer to pray at the beginning of 2022. I pray that your knowledge would abound more and more in depth, or I pray that your love would abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Are you willing to come before him and, and bring yesterday and today before him each day and allow him to speak into your life? And then says that if you do this, what's going to happen is not only is your love going to grow, but if you're willing to come before him and commit your life into his hands, you're going to grow in this knowledge and depth of insight, and good things are going to follow. What I'm simply talking about is another way or an aspect of abiding in Christ. He's the vine, we're the branches. Are you willing to make the effort to live your life in the light of a loving God? If you are, you'll find that he's on your side. He's cheering you on even when you blow it. He loves you deeply. 
You will find your love for him abounding in response to his love for you because we love him because he first loved us. We've just walked into 2022. I'm confident that he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. And this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's pray. Thank you for the great confidence we can have in you, God. It's not our own ability, but the fact that you work in us that any of this can happen. Lord, for your people at Asbury, I pray that your love may abound as we walk into 2022 more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. I pray that they will be able to discern what is best and that they may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week on Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast. Make sure to visit our website at asburyfmperth.com, where you can subscribe and never miss a show. If you'd like this broadcast, you might want to check out our Facebook page, Asbury Free Methodist Church. Until next week, take care and God bless.